You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Royal Borton Suspension, Lots of Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. With us on the line, we've got a very special guest by the name of Cowboy Kenny Bartram. Cowboy Kenny Bartram, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm in uh, sunny Las Vegas. And it's actually it's sunny, but it's not very warm, so well, it's still good. Well, you know what? It's sunny up here in Winnipeg, Manitoba as well, but I bet you it's not 15 degrees outside. <laughs> no, definitely not. Maybe 50, but not 15. <laughs> well, it's awfully cold, and uh, hopefully uh, you can you can send some warm uh, vibes my way. 
uh, as we uh, kind of go, go over a little bit of uh, the, the the career and the life of uh, of cowboy Kenny Bartram. You've uh, you've had you've pretty much in the sport of motocross. There's really n- nothing you haven't done, and uh, and that's mainly because you you've kind of attached yourself to the one the only Travis Pastrana a little bit who uh, isn't shy to suggest you trying some uh, some awfully dangerous things over the years. <laughs> yep. Um, man, my motocross background, uh, well, I guess it started way back in the early 1900s, honestly. Uh, <laughs> my great, great grandmother was a motor maid of America. No way. Um, which was an early, early women's riding group where a woman had to ride her, own her own motorcycle and be able to ride it by herself. Um, my grandparents met at a field meet and opened a motorcycle shop. And then I have, uh, two uncles that raced professionally. One is Guy Cooper, who won a national and a world championship for motocross racing. Of course. Um, and then, uh, you know, as I came up through, through the racing ranks, uh, Travis Pastrana was at my Uncle Guy's house uh, practicing before the Ponca City Grand National Amateur event. And uh, Travis and I met and just hit it off really good. And honestly, uh, we, we hit it off really good, but at the same time, I was really mad at him. He, uh, he was on an 80, and I had just moved up to the 250 Pro class. <laughs> and it was everything I could do to keep up with him on – it was guy's track, but it's basically where I grew up practicing. I'm like, this is my practice track. And this little twerp on an 80 is just outrunning me. I'm like, what is going on? But, uh, <laughs> no, we, we had a lot of fun together. And, um, I got an invite to the first ever freestyle contest in, uh, Tacoma, Washington in 1998. Um, and I actually turned it down, believe it or not. No way. I, they sent a video, a video invite and it had Clifford Adotante doing a Cordova and a heel clicker. And I think Mad Mike Jones doing a heel clicker and Edgar Torrenteras. I'm like, man, that's crazy. There's no way I could do that stuff. I turned it down. And uh, Travis was at Guy's house for about a week, and he taught me how to do a heel clicker and a cliffhanger, and he talked me into going to the first event. Uh, and I'm so glad that he did because I had a ton of fun. Um, it was probably the funnest event I'd ever ridden on a dirt bike, and uh, and ever, ever since then it was 100% freestyle. No doubt, and uh, it's one of those things that you may have been reluctant at first, but uh, once you're there, it's it's more like more more like a, a fish into the water, uh, progressing these tricks. A lot of these tricks that we see nowadays, um, you were there to basically not only invent a lot of the new ones, but uh, like progress them to the point where they're at now. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, like I said, I've, I've been around since the beginning, so I've seen uh, you know everything from from the no footed can can knack knack and heel clicker. Um, all the way up to, to the absolutely insane stuff that guys are doing now. Um, some of, uh, a lot of the tricks that I invented were kind of a variation of something else. Uh, one-handed seat grab with an Indian air, uh, no-handed whip. And then, uh, towards the end of my competition career, I did, uh, one-handed takeoff backflip and a side saddle backflip, um, which were, they're just variations of a backflip, but they're, they're very technical. Um, no but, man, a lot of the stuff that the kids are doing now is, uh, we've, we've joked about it for the last 10 years about them being video game tricks, but they really are, um, uh, with Josh Sheehan landing the first ever triple backflip. Um, you know, guys are doing flares off the quarter pipe, um, open loop backflips, uh, off, off of a quarter pipe. There's, there's a lot of new stuff being done off the quarter pipe, but even, you know, bike flips and body varials and stuff like that, that 10 years ago, that, that was only done on a video game. 
Absolutely. Now, take, take us through the progression of a no-handed whip. Most people uh, uh, struggle to get the bike sideways or upside down in any type of way with both uh, hands and feet on the bike. Uh, how, how did you eventually become or generate the progression to, uh, to getting no, no hands on the bars and uh, getting that thing to come back all on its own? Um, as with most of the freestyle tricks, um, I would say, I guess, most of the older tricks, um, you just start off very simple and small steps. Um, once you get a, a whip and you get very comfortable with the whip, take your hands off the bars, but don't really move your hands. Like basically you just loosen your grip. And then the next time you loosen your grip and you might move your hands one inch away. Like, okay, well the handlebars aren't moving. You take your hands six inches away and then you take them 12 inches away and, and you just keep working your way into a no-handed position. And, uh, you know, it might take you a hundred or, or 500 jumps. Um, but if you just go out and try to do a whip and take your hands all the way off the first time, there's a pretty good chance you're going to crash. Yeah. Um, but, but like I said, with, with most, most of the freestyle tricks, that's how you do it is you just slowly work up to it. And, and like I said, you know, you take, you just loosen your grip and you go, okay, the handlebars didn't move. They're still right there. Take my hands a little further off and okay, I can get back to the bike. And <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's the easiest progression. Well, I've had the the pleasure of uh, watching uh, many a uh, crash compilation video, which actually basically turned into uh, there. Most of those videos were your progression into learning backflips, something that uh, uh, was was took took a little longer than most guys for you. Uh, that I, I would probably uh, like I would probably suggest that it took you long. It took you longer than most guys to get it, but once you got it, it's like walking. Um, I've I recently watched a video just yesterday. I was kind of doing a little bit of research on you, and uh, yeah, like once once you've got these backflips, it it literally seems like once you've taken off the lip, it's uh, it, it's all systems go, and you just step right through it like no tomorrow. Is that kind of the 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 how it feels for you? Is that once you have the backflip, it's kind of in your back pocket, regardless of what size jump it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're, and you're right. It took me a long time to learn it. Uh, I've never been very good at backflipping. I don't backflip into pools. I can, I can just barely do it on a trampoline. Um, you know, to where other guys like Travis, he, he backflips off anything. I mean, stand on the side of a car and backflip off or, or do it into, you know, into lakes or whatever. <clears throat> um, so I just was very uncomfortable upside down. Uh, I, and I did it back before foam pits were out as well. Um, on the old Global Addiction and, and uh, Nitro Circus 1 videos, it was a step up at Travis's house to a pile of mulch. Uh, I landed my fourth attempt, and then the next 100 was about a 50-50 crash-to-make ratio. Wow. Um, which was uh, was not a fun fun day for me, <laughs> I'll put it that way. But um, it was it was good, though. And then once once the, the backflips transitioned into a ramp, honestly, they're much easier off of a ramp because you have more forward momentum. Um, and I guess, uh, I had a problem with pulling crooked. I, I always landed crooked. So with a, a forward momentum jump off of a ramp, uh, it's easier to land with if you're a little bit sideways. So, uh, but like you said, once I got the back foot down, it, it really is, we play it up to the crowd. Like it's a big deal. And, oh, we're going to go for a backflip if you cheer good and loud. But honestly, I, I've probably done 10 or 15,000 backflips. We do, you know, five or 10 every day out practicing. Um, and it's uh honestly it's one of the safest tricks that we do uh if the conditions are you know sometimes it's windy or maybe if it's a little bit wet like if it's been raining and it's not quite dried yet um your your body's over the back tire which you're you're waiting the, the back tire so you don't get any wheel spin 
um, you know, things like that. So honestly, a backflip is one of the safest tricks, I feel. Absolutely, and I totally agree. Uh, my background, uh, as far as freestyle goes, is in the skiing world. I competed for a long number of years, and uh, the degree of difficulty is how they score the tricks. And uh, a 360, which is pretty a small trick as far as spin goes, and a backflip are uh, the exact same degree of difficulty. And uh, like much like yourself, I uh, had a hard time getting that uh, once you're upside down completing the flips so uh my my coach made me do over a hundred backflips into the into the water ramps uh before he would he'd qualify me for for snow but of course once i had them on snow i'm not kidding you uh for the first probably eight years of competing still uh i've made a pact with myself that a backflip had to be my first jump of the year of the of the ski season uh so that kind of speaks volumes to uh like once you have that trick in your head you just got it right it, it's a very hard thing to commit to and totally. to figure out, but once you've got it figured out, it's it's easy. Right on. So, of course, uh, you are Cowboy Kenny Bartram, and for those who don't know, uh, Oklahoma State uh, University, their mascot is, of course, the Cowboys, and uh, you've kind of adopted that as your moniker. Um, like, uh, How often do you get that question of where that comes from, and uh, how many Cowboy hats have you gone through over the years? <laughs> Uh, well, I get the, uh, where did it come from? I get that quite a bit. I don't think I've ever been asked how many cowboy hats I've gone through. Um, <laughs> that's kind of funny, but, uh, it, it was just more politically correct than the hick from Oklahoma. Uh, Fair honestly, enough. it, um, I, especially in the early days of freestyle, you could pick your own music. And, uh, I always rode to country music. That's just what I listen to 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't fit the stereotypical freestyler from California. I, I don't have any tattoos or piercings. I drive a normal stock pickup truck that's a diesel. You know, it's not lifted or low rider or anything like that. I don't listen to rap music. So um just didn't quite fit the stereotypical freestyler. So the cowboy hat and the country music kind of set me apart from the rest of the field, um, which which has been great. Um uh, just to, you know, have some identity in the sport. Um and then uh, as far as how many hats I've been through, uh probably one a year, maybe every other year I get a new hat. Um bounce back and forth between straws and felts. Uh, I've had a, a pretty good deal with resist all that um, they, they help me out with hats every now and then. So um. There you go. Absolutely. I would totally agree that you've uh, definitely kind of broken the mold of your traditional uh, or what would you consider your traditional uh, SoCal freestyle guy, uh, always wearing uh, like the, the full set of motocross gear. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen you jumping in uh, in a tank top or, or a sleeveless shirt of any kind. Uh, certainly no spikes on your chest protector, which was something that we saw a little <laughs> bit of in the early 2000s. Um, and, uh, and, and never uh, resist and always resisting the urge to do the the chopped fender thing uh have you ever chopped fenders on your bike and if so why did you do it and uh why did we go away from that because uh that was uh, those are some some hilarious times in the early 2000s with uh very very much lack of fenders for uh, the freestyle guys <laughs> you know i some of it i understand some of it i don't um i know a lot of guys were chopping their rear fender for doing uh indian airs like yeah. seat grab indian airs and knack they were afraid that they were going to catch their foot on the fender or their leg, um, which honestly, whenever you chop the fender off, then there's a good chance that you're going to catch your pant leg on the rear tire instead of the fender. Right. Um, I did chop my fenders. Uh, I think 2002, uh, KTM had uh, the plastics on KTM were super long, um, and so I would cut about an inch off of it. Um, I never chopped, chopped them super short. Fair enough. Um, and, and then those, the front, those the front fenders, fenders flimsy uh, too. <laughs> exactly. 
the front fenders, I know guys were, were chopping those as well for doing kiss of death. Uh, whenever your shoulders and your head go up by the front fender, they were worried that they were going to get caught on it. Um, and I think they finally watched enough videos and looked at enough photos and stuff to realize that they weren't going to get caught. There's no way you were going to get caught on the front fender yeah. or the rear fender. And so they, they finally just kind of went away from it. Fair enough. Those are those are hilarious times, and uh, you, you've always been a, a KTM guy through the the 2000s. But prior to that, you uh, routinely rode Yamahas uh, back uh, in the the earliest days of, uh, of exploring the day, the world of freestyle. Where uh, like you're a Yamaha guy, and uh, Travis even had to try one of those body varials. Did you ever end up landing one? Uh, no, I never have landed one. That's awesome. I, I got to imagine, like, back in the day, early, like, late 90s, early 2000s, hanging out in Maryland as well as Oklahoma, uh, the stories are endless. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Travis is just wide open all day, every day. Um, it's something, you know, motocross-related or BMX-related or something that uh, is involving adrenaline. Um, and then later on in the, the later 2000s, it, you know, progressed into – rally cars and demolition derby cars and stuff like that so you're right the stories are endless there was a lot of good times and um a lot of craziness that went on for okay. sure um i i suspect you you'd mentioned that yeah, you've got a fiance now uh, earlier before we we started recording uh any chance that uh, tp ends up in your your wedding party um yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah i was uh i was a groomsman in his wedding and uh I imagine he'll be one in mine. There you go. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some parties that go down in Oklahoma, or um, Mississippi, rather, uh, right after these messages from W Wheels and Bill's Pipes. Hey, this is Jared Stasey, and we're going to commercial. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You, too, can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. These Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, 
Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmet because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Two thousand and fourteen X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard and more. Check out EKSBrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Gordon has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Gordon today at 204-633-2722. Bill's House, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. 
For four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings in RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lininovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cook. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back, still on the line with Cowboy Kenny Bartram. Uh, Cowboy, you just got, uh, you're in Vegas right now, but uh, just last weekend, you were uh, you're in at Kevin Windham's house. Uh, he opens his house to uh, many a rider, many a pro, and uh, you took him up on the on the invite to go to the party in the pasture 2015. Uh, tell us a little bit about your weekend, which was uh, a star-studded affair. Yeah, um, Kevin's been putting on an event. Uh, it took a couple of years off, but I think this is the fifth or sixth year uh, for doing the party in the pasture, and it really is exactly that. It is a huge party in the middle of a pasture. Um, he opens up uh, the last two years. He's opened up his track to a, a ride day. Um, I don't. I think they limit the number of riders, but it's there's still you know four or five hundred people there um, from from all levels. You know, you got your beginner, novice, intermediate, and expert. Uh, and then there's a lot of legends in the sport show up. Um, Jeremy McGrath, uh, obviously Kevin's there riding. Um, Blake Wharton, Brett Q, uh, myself, Mike Mason's another freestyle rider. Uh, Matt Byton was on hand, Anthony Murray, uh, a bunch of freestyle riders show up and we, uh, we put on a freestyle, uh, exhibition at night during the concert. Um, the last few years, Craig Morgan has headed up the concert, headlined it. Uh, this year was Travis Tritt, um, uh, and Kevin builds these massive bonfires that are seriously like 20 feet tall, piled up wood with pallets and stuff and lights them on fire. And you got, you know, five or 10,000 Mississippians out in the middle of a pasture and just partying. That's, uh, that's what it is. You know, a bunch of dirt bikes and, and country music and having a good time. Uh, but it's also for a great charity as well. Um, it's changed over the years. It, it was originally for the school system near Centerville, Mississippi. Um, but the last couple of years, it's benefited the Road to Recovery Fund and the Asterix Mobile Medical Unit for uh, for Supercross. So, you know, that's something that's near and dear to a lot of our hearts as as former racers and as racers, um, or just anybody in the motocross community. So, um, it's uh, it's great to be able to help out a charity. And honestly, we're just hanging out in the pasture, having a good time. Uh, but we get to raise a lot of money. I never heard the final uh, final amount, but I think they were able to donate somewhere around seventy five thousand dollars this year. To the wow. after mobile medical unit, so that's that's a huge, huge deal. So that was great. That's incredible to be able to uh, not only have a whole lot of fun, but uh, know that uh, the fun that you're having is uh, is going towards uh, the end result is is going towards something that's uh, going to affect some people's lives, and uh, especially through the road to recovery. A lot of these uh, riders that uh, are are sharing the the exact same sport that you're that you're doing, uh, it's, they're going to help them get back on their feet and uh, allow them to um, not have to deal with uh, the. The, the bills that, that come up with all these, like the, the surgeries and the, the hospital time, I'm sure you, you yourself, um, have, have, have spent a lot of time in hospitals through, uh, hitting, hitting the deck and stuff like that. Something that uh, hits home for you. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
freestyle motocross as well as you know supercross racing has a I don't know a, a mystique around it that everybody out there is making millions of dollars and and there are a few guys that are making millions um, but there's also a whole lot more of them that are not making millions that uh, you know they're they're out there racing paycheck to paycheck and so you know when you get hurt there's there's no uh, workman's comp or anything like that you may be off the bike for you know hopefully it's only four to six weeks it could be six months or a year. Or, or even a permanent injury. So um, it's great, like I said, to be able to help out a, a fund like that 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 uh, will help injured riders get back on their feet and pay their bills until they can get back to racing. And, and so it's, it's really cool to be a part of that. So in, in the world of uh, freestyle motocross, how has the, uh, the career landscape changed for a, uh, a, a freestyle rider? Um, going back into the early 2000s, there was uh, a, a quite a, there was gravity games, there was X games for a little while, there was winter X games. And, uh, it seemed like there was, uh, more opportunities to compete, show your skills. And, uh, and those results are what really kind of drove, uh, like getting sponsorships and, and getting support from riders, uh, from different companies. Um, but now it seems like there's, there's less and less, um, big, uh, events for these guys to hit. Of course, they do still have the Red Bull X fighters, but uh, it's kind of a, a select crew that can can do that. It's it's uh, seems like now more than ever, there uh, a freestyle rider's career is dependent on his ability to lock down uh, as many jump shows as humanly possible, uh, which kind of like adds the risk as far as uh, or adds to the the number of jumps you're doing, the amount of shows you're doing, and uh, it's, it it's just it's really changed. It has. It's changed a whole lot. Um, like you said, in, in the old days, there was tons of bigger contests between X Games and Gravity Games. Vans Triple uh, Crowns. Vans Triple Crowns and Dew Tours. Uh, you had the IFMA contests, which were, I think there was 30 IFMA events every year, and uh, most of them were open to the public. Um, you had to kind of know somebody, but they would let you come in and ride practice, and, and it was easier to get into the events. Um, somewhere around 2003, 2004, X Games changed to an invite-only thing, um, where they would just take the, the top eight or ten, and and uh, you had to be invited to it. There wasn't any qualifiers, um, so it became really, really hard for a new guy to break into an X Games type event. And then IFMA went away. Uh, Dew Tours lasted a couple of years, and then they went away. And so you're right. Right now, you have X Games and the Red Bull X Fighters which are still an, an invite-only thing. Um, I think they invite eight to ten riders. Um, so your new guys coming in, they have no way to get into that. Um, and like I said, they, they just try to lock down as many shows as they can just doing exhibitions. Um, I personally run a, a freestyle company called Steel Rodeo Tour. We specialize in intermission entertainment. There you go. And, uh, you know, I work with a lot of uh, a lot of veterans that like Matt Byton that have a ton of X Games medals and then some up-and-coming kids that are, are just as good but they don't have a name for themselves and they don't have any way to make a name because they can't get into those big contests. Um, so, you know, although we're performing at, at major events, uh, Country Stampede has about 300,000 people. We've been to Sturgis a couple times, which is a half a million people. You know, our company performs in front of a million and a half people throughout the year. It's still not the same as a televised contest. Um, and so you're right, those, those results and the, and the contest really helped guys make an identity for themselves, uh, especially back in the old days with, you know, Mad Mike and Tom Cat, Tommy Clowers and the Flying Hawaiian and myself, the Cowboy and this and that. Um, so it's, it's a whole new world for the, for the freestyle riders coming in today. 
um, they just have to be uh, to be willing to, to put in the work and ride a ton of shows and, and hope that, you know, they land a big sponsor or, or just enjoy riding and, and, and ride for cheap, you know. There you go. And, of course, like, once you do, if you are fortunate enough to make it onto those, uh, like, the Red Bull X Fighters and, and X Games, then you have the daunting task of, uh, of taking on some of the tricks that uh, that are being thrown out these days. You'd refer them to them as... Uh, uh, Video game video tricks. game tricks, and that's what they are. You see some some of these tricks, like they're at the uh, just just during the intermission at the Australia Supercross. You had one of the riders doing basically it was a, uh, a like a, a alley oop flare, like rotating against his momentum, uh, flare up over up upside down and spinning back down towards the landing. Um, and that's not something that you can just learn at your local track, uh, trying off of a steel ramp or something like that. That's, that takes a very specific, uh, setup. It takes a very specific compound and, uh, also, uh, a lot of, um, like just a different apparatus to try the trick at because you're going to have to use either, uh, the foam pit or a mulch pit, stuff like that. And, uh, even when you take it to dirt there, it, there's a lot of risk there with, uh, if you have to have a lot of air sense. Um, as far as like the, the risk reward type of thing, like, do you see the tricks these days kind of getting to the point where, uh, you kind of scratch your head as like, is it kind of all worth it? <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, I think everybody reaches that point, uh, you know, whether it's age or whether it's time or, or whatever it is, uh, you know, everybody has to reach that point, but I don't necessarily want to go do that trick. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, our current economic situation or, or what, you know, we've always felt that we were underpaid and I think anybody does. Um, but yeah, you, I don't want to have to go out and learn a lot of these new, newer tricks, uh, the video game tricks that are being done in the phone pits and spend thousands of dollars building a ramp and, and learning this trick to go out and hope to get into one of these big contests and then hope to make the top three. Um, I don't, I haven't seen a, a current X fighters, uh, payout, but I know that the older events, the top three was very heavy. Um, you know, it might be a $25,000 to win, but then it went down to 10, 5, 2, 1500. You know, basically if you're outside of the top three, you're pretty much paying your way to go to these events. Um, so you're hoping for some exposure and, and sponsorships down the road. Um, but yeah, as far as learning the tricks, there's a lot that goes into it. There is a lot of, of risk to it. Um, a lot of the new uh, tours, like the Nitro Circus Live Tour, uh, Nuclear Cowboys was around for a little while. Um, but I know Nitro has basically the, the absolute top riders in the world that are, are competing at X-Fighters and, and X-Games are doing these super gnarly tricks that are, that's an X-Games gold medal trick, and they're doing it night after night. And, and honestly, they're not making that much money for, for what they're doing. Um, so yeah, that, that whole risk to reward thing ever, it's different for everybody. Um, but they are putting out a lot of risk for very little reward. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can only imagine, uh, what, uh, like a, a touring rider would be for, for Nitro Circus, but you got a guy like, uh, Jared McNeil who, or, uh, yeah, sorry. Oh. Uh, Jared McNeil, who's literally, he's getting absolutely backwards on his 252 stroke, only to come back down to the earth straight, straight again. But, uh, to, to do that night after night after night, it's completely flawless and be practicing these tricks during the day, uh, you're, you are upping your, your, your risk, uh, like, 
exponentially. Um, I'm surprised there's, there's, there's not more incidents, but again, you guys are so dialed in and, uh, it seems like you guys are probably more at home on two wheels than you are on your feet. That, that's very true. I've actually said that several times before that, uh, I feel more comfortable on, on two wheels than I do on my feet. Um, and yeah, everything is, we are very calculated with it. Um, you know, you're jumping 75 to 80 feet in length and 30 to 40 feet high. So the, I don't want to say the days of, but it's very tough to just go, you know what? I think I've landed one out of 10 in the pit. I'm going to take it to dirt. Uh, not many people are that way. Uh, we're all very calculated about it going, no, you know what? I can do nine out of 10 in the foam pit. And I think I'm ready for dirt. Um, but yeah, doing it night after night, you know, on, on a tour like, like Nitro Circus or any of the, the tours, um, it's still, guys are still doing double backflips. They're doing body burials. They're doing, you know, quarter pipe tricks and these things that when you crash, it's really going to hurt and it's going to happen sometime, you know. Sure. And, uh, you know, I got to commend you for uh, being one of the only guys I've ever known, uh, both motocross and, uh, and freestyle to, to rock the Arai, uh, helmet brand. Uh, they've improved, uh, in their styling over the last few years, but, uh, going into the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, with that, uh, that long, uh, nose piece on there, uh, that was a pretty unique style there, Kenny. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I have a really long nose for any, any reason, but um, <laughs> when Arai first came out with their one-piece, uh, you know, non-removable, I think it was the MXC Pro 1, um, it was really close to my nose. I could touch the front of the helmet and push it back enough it would touch my nose. Like, man, if I case anything, I'm going to break my nose just right away. Um, but I've been an Arai guy forever. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of the tests that they've done. My uncle, Guy Cooper, was an Arai guy for yeah, he was, forever. Yeah. He's been a He's been over to Japan and seen a lot of the tests. And he's like, man, I've, I've seen a lot of other helmets, and Arai is the only way to go. Um, I've been offered a lot of money from other helmet companies, and, and I go, you know what? I, I really want to protect my head, so I'm, I'm going to stick with an Arai. And um, they've now, I think it was the MXC Pro 3 and 4, um, they've actually extended that removable mount, or the, the one-piece mouthpiece. Um, so I have started wearing the, the one-piece helmets now. There I still you. like the old ones, but but I have started wearing the one piece ones again. Cowboy Kenny uh, is uh, affecting the way that a helmet brand is creating their helmets, <laughs> just just like that. Yep, exactly. Now, before I let you go, just a couple of questions, uh, like just kind of more like just general freestyle questions about yourself. Um, what are some of your favorite tricks to do? Like, if if you're just riding for yourself, it just like either a trick that you know you're really good at or a trick that's just fun. Uh, what, what's something that y- you know you can uncork any, at any moment? Um, uh, a no-footed knack-knack and a whip are probably my two favorite tricks. Um, a no-footed knack-knack is, uh, is big and flashy. It's a good crowd trick. And you can always, you can really feel how far off the bike you are, um, really getting twisted kind of opposite direction from the bike. Um, so I really like that one. I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. And then a, just a regular old classic whip. Um, that's always been my favorite trick. A lot of tricks like a backflip or uh, something simple like a heel clicker. If your heels touch, that's the best you could possibly do a heel clicker. Yeah. If you do a backflip and your wheels land first, that's the best you could do it. But with a whip, you can always go a little further and a little further and a little further. Um, as you've seen, you know, a lot of the newer uh, best whip guys they're getting the bike completely upside down like a backflip. Where back when I was truly competing a lot, 
to get the bike completely flat was that was a huge whip, and now they've they've gotten it all the way to where it's almost upside down. So um, I I love I love a big whip. And uh, as far as uh, you mentioned your your competing days, uh, when do you feel like you were just completely on? There was one particular uh, event where you just like I was untouchable this particular weekend, or I had a trick that no one else could touch. Um, what was it like for you? And uh, could can you really can you can you pinpoint that for us? Not really. <laughs> um, two thousand two and two thousand three were were probably my biggest years. Um, I won. Uh, the IFMA championship both those years, uh, Vans Triple Crown and WFA championships were, were all in there. Actually, uh, Red Bull X Riders was that year as well. Um, you also broke a bike in half. I did break a bike in half. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the, those events were, you know, I would show up at the event and I knew if I land everything as well as I have it planned, I've, I've pretty much got this event. Um, 2005, uh, I won the Dutour Championship, and it came down to the final round with uh, Jeremy Stenberg and myself were tied in, in points. And so it was kind of whoever won. That was probably one of my best runs I feel like I'd ever done. Uh, that final run, it, and it wasn't, I didn't go into it with a ton of confidence knowing I'm going to win this event, but I just really felt like I stuck everything exactly how I wanted, and that day could not have gone any better for me the way I, I wrote it. So. So that's probably my my single. If I had to pick one day, that would probably be it. There you go. And uh, one of the last questions I have for you is: uh, When was the last time you lined up behind an actual starting gate to uh, to race some moto, or uh, when was the last time you went to a track just to moto down and uh, and see what your speeds like? Um, well, I rode uh, I rode Kevin Windham's track at Party in the Pasture last year or last weekend. Okay. Uh, but there's an event that happens in February in Mesquite, Nevada. Uh, they call it the Beyond Pro Race. Um, that was the last time I actually took off from the starting gate. Uh, it's a super fun event. They combine enduro cross and freestyle motocross. Um, I've actually won it the last three years. Um, but you get to skip one of the enduro cross lanes if you hit the freestyle ramp. Um, but then there's another ramp that the enduro, goss, enduro cross guys hit, and we have to hit that enduro cross lane. So it's uh, it's kind of cool to combine the two worlds. Um, I, I have a racing background and then get into freestyle. And uh, I've grown up, I actually grew up riding in the trees, cross countries and enduros before getting into motocross, supercross, and then uh, freestyle. So uh, it, it's really cool for me. I feel like I've done just about everything on, on a dirt bike, and that race really combines it all. Well, right on, man. I really appreciate you giving me some time to uh, kind of chat with your career a little bit, and uh, um, hopefully all the things that you have going down the pipe are are, uh, are going well for you. Congratulations on the, the engagement, and uh, uh, before I let you go, is there anything that you'd like to uh, promote or, or let the fans know on how they can, uh, where they can see you next or how they can get in touch with you or, uh, or anything quite like that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, social media is all Cowboy Kenny six nine zero. Um, for uh, you know, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I am getting into doing uh, a lot of stunts in the film industry. Um, so that's that's kind of a new new venture for me that I'm I'm really looking forward to and and excited about. Uh, I'm actually living uh, close to New Orleans. A lot of the film industry has moved down there, so okay. um, really trying to push that. As well as, uh, like I said earlier, you know, owning a freestyle company, Steel Rodeo Tour, I will continue to, to run the company and uh, maybe start letting other guys do some of the jumping as I'm getting a little bit older in the sport. But um, I'll still be at some of the events and, and 
So those are, those are kind of the two ventures that I have right now is the steel rodeo tour and, and stunts in the film industry. So there you go. So uh, as far as the film industry goes, have you uh, have you been in anything yet, or are you just kind of getting your feet wet with that, just handing out some resumes, some 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 Polaroids of yourself, or, or what's the deal there? Um, kind of getting into it. Uh, I did um, a little bit for a movie called Geostorm that I think is coming out near Christmas. Um, Underground is a TV show. It'll be a recurring TV show for a, it's like a Civil War era. Um, I did a little bit of stunts for that. And then LBJ is a, a movie about Lyndon B. Johnson. Um, so far, none of the stunts I've done have been anything spectacular. Uh, it's mostly just I rode a motorcycle in like a presidential motorcade type thing and uh, jumped off the side of a houseboat, you know, about five feet off in the water. So uh, no, nothing super crazy stunt-wise yet, uh, but a lot of fun and, and getting to, to do cool stuff. Awesome, man. Well, uh, don't hang up just yet, but uh, as for podcast sake, we'll, we'll end it right there. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.